At Skyview, we strive to love God and others through generous hospitality and meaningful friendship. For more information about Skyview Church, please visit us at www.skyviewchurch.ca. It is a privilege uh, to, at this time of year, on behalf of my family, Ruthann and, and our kids, to wish you a blessed Christmas. I realize that uh, I may not see some of you tomorrow night at our Christmas Eve service and, and, uh, and so on, but I trust that the presence and the joy of God will be with you and your family, that you would enjoy being together and that you would be attentive and aware of his presence. Pray that God would uh, not only bless you in this time, but in the year to come and that he would be with you as a family. If you have your Bibles, you could turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And this morning I am mindful, parents, that our children are with us, and I've prepared accordingly, and all God's people says amen. Uh, Luke chapter 1, reading from verse 39 to 56, and this is what it says. At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. When I was growing up, I heard this phrase long before I knew it to be a scripture. The phrase was simply this, spoken from many a Christian person in my church, nothing is impossible with God. In fact, I I remember hearing this at specific times in my life. One such a time was when my little brother at the age of eight was hit by a vehicle. Uh, He was seriously injured. He was in a coma for several weeks. And I remember standing at that bedside hearing prayers of faith, prayers echoing this very same sentiment that nothing is impossible with God. I must confess, however, that this very nothing is impossible with God is sometimes hard to believe uh, and live into in the world we live in. Uh, we, we tend to be a, a culture that is highly skeptical. We are suspicious of any promises that seems to be too good to be true. In fact, we believe that if it is good, too good to be true, it probably is not true. 
Uh, can I get a, uh, just a, a raise of hands if you have won millions through some Nigerian lottery uh, in your email box? Can I get a hand? Uh, I have won so much money that I've unclaimed. I am secretly a billionaire. But you know, there is much happening in our culture to suggest that the impossible is usually not, is, is usually impossible. There's much in our world to suggest that if it's something that is, that is, that would be so incredibly good that it is probably not going to happen. But at this time of year, in this particular season, and in this particular text, there is a strong affirmation that comes down to those who believe and follow in the person of Jesus Christ that God is able to do that which others may think impossible. I don't know this morning if you need God to do something impossible within your life. But maybe for some of us, this scripture in particular, this word in particular, will have a direct bearing, a deep conviction, and hopefully an encouragement. There have certainly been times in my life where I have felt um, inundated by uh, responsibilities, overwhelmed by the challenges that I have faced. There has been times in my life where I have been brought to the end of my ability as a human being, where I've cried out to God, much like the psalmist does in various occasions, God, I need you to come through, for I cannot see how this will be made right. The scripture this morning that precedes the text I've read holds an affirmation that the angel gives to a young teenager bewildered by the appearance of the divine when the angel says that this little girl will be the bearer, the Theotokos, as our Orthodox brothers would speak of her, the bearer of God, the, the one who would conceive through the power of the Holy Spirit and bring into our world the Savior of this world. It is that angel that speaks on behalf of God when she asks, how can this be? And says, with God, all things are possible. I wonder this morning... As I have listened to the text and as it has spoken to my heart, that maybe I need to allow in the season of Christmas some of the skepticism, some of the, uh, the ways in which I think about God's role both in my life and in this world to give way to a simple faith. Simple doesn't mean childish, it might mean childlike, but the kind of faith that we hear come from Mary. Someone who could not understand how this would happen, but someone who yet submits herself in trust to a God who is able to perform a miracle. In fact, really what I want to share with you is based upon the song that she sings. I would suggest this morning that songs are able to convey deep truths. I've said this before, but there are times when I'm driving in my 1998 Volvo S70, very cool car, uh, I'll have you know. And as I'm driving this car, so impressed with how much miles it's been able to put on and still keeps chugging along, I turn on my radio that only plays through one speaker. And if I hit on the right place, I have surround sound for a little bit. And as I'm driving, very often I will turn the radio and I, I, I have a little bit of ADHD. I will press my scan button. Anybody do that? Press your scan button? No? Okay. 
Maybe you don't have scan buttons in your car, but I do. Volvo 1998, S70. And I'll press the scan button and it will run, and I will stop at a song. Now, now it's, it's very tricky because you've got to get to the scan button real fast when it hits a station and a song you like. But when it hits that song, I'll press the button, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop at the song because I like the song. And as is often the case, I listen to stations that play a little bit older music. Not too old, but a little older. And when I hear a song, very often what happens is my mind goes back to a time and a place. Has this ever happened to you? Where you remember when you heard that, for that song. Or maybe that was the song of the summer. And it's amazing how music has the ability to help us remember and recall. Is, isn't that true? It's amazing how it can even make you, 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 you think specifically in, uh, of what happened and how you feel. And, and sometimes when I hear the song, it's not so much even the lyrics, it's the fact that it conjures up a remembering, a time. And if that time was joyous, it makes me smile. And sometimes I sing and I wear my earpiece in my ear just to let people know that I'm not crazy, even though I'm just singing to myself. But, you know, the song of Mary in this particular text is a song of remembering. It is a song that speaks to a, a God of impossibilities that through what was happening would make the impossible possible. I want to reflect on two quick thoughts as my children look at me praying already that dad won't be too long. The first is simply this, what letter to sing and secondly, what she sang about. We're introduced in this particular text in Luke 1 to a divine appearance by an angel named Gabriel. Gabriel first appears to a man named Zacharias who is a priest in the temple. The scripture tells us that Zacharias was in the temple to, uh, to light the incense. He was responsible as the priest for that particular duty. It is interesting that the scripture defines Zacharias as standing to the right of the altar of incense. In the temple in particular, the altar of incense represented prayers ascending to God. When you lit the incense and the incense smoke rose up to the ceiling of the temple. It was supposed to draw people's attention from from where it was up towards the one who hears. It is the angel who appears to Zacharias, who is an old man married to an old woman, and says to him that God has heard his prayer. I don't know about you, but there are many times where I don't necessarily feel that God is hearing my prayer. Maybe I've been praying for a while and waiting for a while, and I, I, I'm starting to wonder whether he would actually respond to the prayers of my heart. But here we find that this divine angel appears, responds to Zacharias, and the first thing it says is, God has heard your petition. He has heard your prayers. And the prayers that he's, he has heard, he will answer. And that particular prayer for Zechariah was one in which his wife, who was barren and in old age, would conceive of a child. We know as we read the scripture that that child would be John the Baptist, the forerunner, the one who would prepare the way for Jesus Christ. But Zacharias responds pretty much the same way that many of us will do today, with unbelief. I mean, come on, let's face it. She's past childbearing age, and I'm an old, old fella. We've been asking for a while, and, and even though the divine appears to him and offers him this hope, Zacharias, in what he knows about the realities of his body, of that of his wife, and the circumstances of his life, does not believe what God is saying through the angel. But this divine messenger does not only speak 
to Zacharias, it also goes to Mary, this young woman from a region where most people would, would not expect anything good to come from. This angel appears to Mary and tells her, gives her this announcement that she would be the bearer of the Son of the Most High, of whom the Lord God would give him uh, the throne of his father David. Elizabeth and, and, and Mary herself are women in this particular story that seem to respond to God's promises with a deep faith. If you were to study the book of Luke, you will find, if you're an astute student, you will find that Luke shows a predisposition to showing how women are the ones who get it first. And all the women said, Amen. Where Zacharias expresses a doubt and is mute until the prophecy is fulfilled, Luke makes a point of showing that not only Mary, but Elizabeth, and further throughout the scriptures, including at the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection and the empty tomb, how women played a catalytic role in expressing a deep faith in God. Here, the same angel appears to Mary with this divine message. She is confounded by it. She is surprised that the angel would even show up and reveal himself to her. And yet, this divine message is one that would change her life forever. But not only do we see that there's a divine messenger who appears with an incredible message to ordinary people, but we also see that God gives, through the angel, another person to encourage Mary. It is Gabriel who, when he speaks to Mary, alludes to Elizabeth, who is expecting, who is advanced in her years. He, he, he says to her, listen, there, there is another woman that you know, a relative of you, who is older in life. She has been barren, but she is now expecting. The news of Elizabeth's unlikely pregnancy contributes not only to Mary's belief and trust, but sends her running. If you are to study the scripture closely, you will see that the scripture tells us that Mary hurries towards Elizabeth. I've read many commentaries on this passage and I wondered why she ran. Uh, some suggested she was afraid. When I studied a little bit more, I found out that she was running at least, she was traveling at least 30 miles. That's a long ways to run. I was, I was curious as to why she was hasty in going. Uh, some speculate that she was just so joyous. Others say that she was fearful. However, Luke does not explain to us why she runs, except focuses on what happens when she reaches Elizabeth's home. You know, when, when I was growing up, there was many people who would, who would come up and, 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 and say in our services in South Africa, they would, they would have a word from God. Have you ever had someone do that? You know, and sometimes they did, but sometimes you wondered. You, you really wondered, was that a word from God or was that just your own word that you are blaming God for? And it's interesting to me that when this divine revelation comes, this divine word with such incredible importance and significance that the, the angel almost kind of just hints towards another person that God is working in. But, you know, and, and Mary hurries to her. And, and I find that as I, I lean, lean into the scripture that I started to kind of feel a sense of conviction come to my heart that sometimes when God says something to us, whether it be through a scripture, through the word, through a message, that one of the gifts he gives the church is the ability for us to to test and to be affirmed in what he's saying to us. 
You know, sometimes what we need is maybe what Mary receives when she visits Elizabeth. She receives someone who the scripture says when she showed up and said hi, the baby leaped in her womb and she was filled with the spirit and she prophesied over Mary, affirming everything that the angel has said. You know, people have often said to me, especially young people when I worked with them, if God would just show up and just say something to me, I would believe him. You know what the story of Mary may suggest to us? Even when the divine shows up right within us with clear instructions and a clear message that oftentimes we still need someone to come around us and just to affirm a person whom we can trust, a person filled with the Spirit of God, someone who would come beside us and say, you're not crazy for believing the plans and the purposes of God. Throughout the Luca narrative, the Holy Spirit plays a significant role in Revelation. In bringing about new life. At this time of Christmas, you know, could it be that the presence of God's Spirit can be an affirmation for us of what God has said to us? Maybe the Spirit needs to birth within us again a sense of dependency. And I started to wonder, I asked the people in prayer this morning, uh, has there ever been somebody in your life who's come alongside you and just affirmed what God has said to you? Someone that's just encouraged and made you believe, okay, I'm not on my own. I'm not crazy for believing. Someone that has just come alongside me and encouraged me. And as we talked and shared some of that, I thought to myself, some of the reservations we have in being that people is because no one wants to take the responsibility for saying something on behalf of God. We are so afraid. Some of us don't feel very filled with His Spirit. Some of us don't feel that God could speak through us. But can I say this to you? The story of Luke and Acts is a story that shows that God chooses ordinary, humble people to accomplish His task. Why not you and me? Could it be that the Scripture invites some of us to wait upon the Lord, to be filled with His Spirit, Encourages some of us to be an Elizabeth, uh, a person who is attentive and so joyous at what God is doing in the life of, of this significant woman. That what she says not only affirms, but creates within Mary such a deep sense of confidence of what God is doing that it causes her to sing. Songs that are sung out of a depth of conviction are songs that touch our hearts. I, you know, you, you don't have to look far. Just think about some of the songs that really, really catch your heart. I'm not just talking about the, 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 the funky rhythms and rhymes, because I'm cool like that myself. Uh, but I'm talking about the kind of songs that, that grab a hold of you, the kind of songs that tug at your heart. And maybe I'm only speaking to those who like music. But, you know, it, it could happen in poetry. Something that is that, 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 that really seems to speak to a depth. Even though there's words, there's more to it. More times than not, artists who have labored, who have experienced pain, who have gone through difficulties, when they sing out of those experiences, there's a weight to what they say. It is the same here. The Holy Spirit deeply impresses upon Mary the significance of what's to happen. And when Elizabeth confirms, she doesn't just sing a song. She sings a revolutionary song. You know, at Christmas time, and I chuckled to myself last week when Bob preached or, or led, and uh, uh, his comment was, Christmas would not be Christmas without Kenny Rogers. I chuckled. Because the kind of song we have here is not a Kenny Rogers Christmas song. It is a song, as most commentators refer to, of revolution. 
A song that has two major movements. The first is simply this. That God chooses the humble in his great plan. If you were to look at verses 47 through to 49, you would see that the scripture is filled with reference to the God who has been mindful of Mary. Who has considered her humble state. The one who is called her blessed. And the one who has done great things for her. And even though this first section deals very much with the fact that Mary's overjoyed that God would look at her. It says in that very opening passage that the reason she rejoices is because the God who is birthed within her is her salvation. You see, these particular verses expresses Mary's gratitude for the outpouring of God's special favor upon her. It begins with Mary's recognition of how blessed she is that God would choose her for such an incredible privilege. You know, um, sometimes, and it happens often in my life, uh, when I have moments of just clarity and I remember who I am, I say to myself, how could God have chosen me? How could God have given me such a privilege to be the pastor of this church? I bet you anything that when you're completely honest with yourself before the Lord, that some of the immediate feelings that you ought to have is one of inadequacy. Uh, you know, I, I think we live in a world that wants us all to be competent at everything and feel in charge. But there's something about standing before the Lord and receiving from Him His Word as a pastor that ought to quicken and humble me every time I stand here because I know who I am in my own skin. And Mary sings of her Savior because she recognizes who she is, but more significantly, who He is. You know, our Catholic brothers, we can learn something from them. They recognize that there's no one else like Mary who's been given such a privilege to carry the very God within her. But I think our Catholic brothers can also learn from us that it is the very God within her that is her Savior and her Lord. You know, she sings because she received a divine message and it was affirmed in her. But why she sings, what she sings, speaks of a God who chooses the lowly to change our world. Maybe this morning the message is for some of us who may not feel that, that we are quite as good as we need to be for God to have a choice of us. But can I say through my own experience and what the word teaches us is that God looks fondly upon those of humble and lowly positions. And God chooses the humble as a part of his plan. But the second movement of the song is not only that God chose Mary, but that God would work in this world to bring about justice through his son. If you and I don't have much time and. I want to finish soon for the sake of everyone and the kids. But if you studied from verse 50 through, you will see that the reference changes from Mary and her position to who God is. It says his mercy extends to those who fear him. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has, he has, he has. You know, I think a healthy part of growing up as a Christian 
is that our songs always move from us to him. A healthy part of our Christian faith is that it moves us away from just what defines us and brings us joy to who he is and the joy he wants to bring. I believe that Mary is an example for us of someone who has a simple faith and trust in God. But she's also someone who demonstrates for us the reason we ought to be joyous in this time is because God has chosen the simple to reveal his great love for a world. That God will bring about his justice through his church and through his son. That what we have seen in Newton and Iran, in Afghanistan, in Africa and Asia and Europe, the pain, the horror, the disappointment and the pain will through the work of God and his son be made whole upon his return. We need him. And the only time we really recognize that as human beings is oftentimes when we've come to the end of our own strength. I think this morning of some in our congregation, some of the most clearest sense of faith and deepest sense of faith that I've heard come from the lips of some of you have been in the hard and difficult times of life. You know why I believe that we often hear and see a deepening faith in difficult times? It's because we realize that we cannot save ourselves. When our abilities, our talents, our health, our finances, when those things which are temporal are taken, it often gives us and grants us the gift of a deep faith and need of a Savior. My prayer for you this year is that God would bless you, yes, with that which you need to provide for your family, with a wonderful church family, with a hope of a wonderful future, but above all, with a faith that is true and deep, a faith that will sustain you, that even if everything does not go well with you in the year to come, you will be held by the God who is able. I say to my friend today, God is able. I say to many of you here this morning who needs God to do something in your life, he is able. And at this time of year and this Christmas season, all things are possible with him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. And I thank you that you are gracious to us. You are a God who is able to do, according to your word, immeasurably more than we can think or even ask. Some of our problems, Father, are not problems to you at all. Some of what we ask you to be saved from, you didn't have to die on a cross to do. But we thank you that you have already done the impossible. You have given us grace and love and made us your own. I pray that through your spirit, this Christmas season in particular, amidst the fun and excitement of family and gifts, our faith would increase. 
Our belief in a God who at the end of all things will make all things new. I commit to you our church and its future. And I ask, Father, that like Mary, we would sing songs that have deep meaning and deep faith. Meet with each and every one of us, that person here this morning who needs deep encouragement, the person here this morning that may feel alone at this time of year. We ask that they may find the comfort and the strength which comes from your spirit, but also those of a believing family of God. And we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.